Welcome to another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Since Conversations with Creative Women first got off the ground in 2013, I have had the distinct pleasure and honor of interviewing artists, musicians, authors, dancers, actors, filmmakers, producers, explorers, comedians, chefs, social activists, athletes, entrepreneurs, academics, journalists, good Lord, the list is endless. However, I haven't had a conversation with a clairvoyant, that is, until now, but Tori Quisling probably knows that already. Founder of the New York Center for Clairvoyant Development, Tori has spent the last 30 years as a clairvoyant and teacher, offering readings on a myriad of topics, mediumship, past lives, career, health, relationships, spiritual path choices. Tori's been featured on NBC's Today Show, CBS News, and various radio programs. Last but not least, she's written two books, The Clairvoyant Practitioner, A Simple Guide to Developing Your Clairvoyant Abilities, and Calling in Your Baby, A Clairvoyant's Guide to Manifesting Pregnancy. Lots to talk about, so let's meet and get to know Tori Quisling. Welcome, and thanks so much for joining me today. Thank you. Thank you for having me. (laughs) My pleasure. I want to know what made you become a clairvoyant. What did you know about you that I didn't know about me? It's really a a, a practicing clairvoyant. You know, Uh, I always uh, like to talk about how our life is not a a straight line as a journey, but it's more circular and spiral Mm -hmm. because you learn things along the way and then it builds and you're and you revisit things, and then you're more enlightened the next time you revisit. It's like rereading a good book mm-hmm. 10 years later. Or there's a familiarity with whatever the event might be, right? Yes, mm-hmm. and, and then you are you realize you're in a higher place every time you visit it. So mm-hmm. as a child, I was very sensitive, meaning I was extremely shy, and I would have a lot of anxiety in, in a classroom of people. And... Uh, I would also like to be alone a mm. lot, and especially around old things like my grandmother's attic, around all of her sisters who had deceased all of their things. I just love to be there. Kind of going through your just family history. Their things, and uh, I put names to all the dolls, which ended up being the same names <laughs> as my my great aunts that I, mm. you know, I didn't know as little. Um, so I was very tuned in to another world and always a bit on the fringe, on the outside. That you felt different? Definitely felt mm-hmm. different. And if Harry Potter had been <laughs> a book in the 1970s. There would have been your lawnsman, right? I would have been better. Yeah. <laughs> I would have had a friend. There would be a validator yeah. in a sense for you, right? Absolutely. So how do people treat you? Like you were odd, quirky, or? I would get teased a lot because I would believe everything everyone would tell me um, because I wasn't somebody that was thinking of lying. I was always in the truth. <laughs> would you call that on some level a naivete? Uh, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and later I became a teacher, uh, a school teacher, so that I could help sensitive children in the classroom. I mm-hmm. would pick them out immediately. <laughs> well, what was it like for you at home? Did your parents know that you were different? Well, in different, terms of the sensitivity, I don't mean different. My dad's odd, a psychiatrist, but... so mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he would describe me as painfully shy. <laughs> I would notice that. Uh-huh. Um, and I love to be home, safe, and uh, just in my house with the familiar. What I found is that as I got older and then in high school, you know, you feel proud of being different and you find some other people that are different like you. And in college, I went to San Francisco State for graduate school. 
And well, I, where'd you go to undergraduate? I went to undergraduate school at Stanislaus State. I'm from California. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so when I went to San Francisco State for graduate school, I uh, went to the Berkeley Psychic Institute, and this is in the mid-'80s, and got a reading. And they said, hey, you're just like us. You know, you're not weird. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're psychic. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, so I got excited and joined the program immediately, learning how to do readings, learning how to be clairvoyant. Basically, when you're sensitive, like many people are, um, you want to have some tools. They're called tools. Mm -hmm. You want to be able to ground. You want to be able to have some protection. You want to be able to be in the center of your head. Mm -hmm. Um, Because what I learned is the type of uh, psychic I was was a clairsentient. And I still am. (laughs) I don't know what that means. That just means that I feel what everybody's feeling. So that if someone's crying, I'm going to start crying. And if I'm nervous, that's going to... I'm going to feel the effect of it immediately, Mm -hmm. just in the room or from another person or Mm -hmm. even anticipating another person. And I can feel when someone else has been sitting in a particular chair, my body just takes it on. Uh, So that's clairsentience. And many, especially women, are clairsentient. We have permission to feel what everyone is feeling. And you'll know uh, that the world is like that because everyone speaks that way. They say, oh, I'm feeling the sadness. I'm sensing it. I'm picking it up. I'm getting it. That's all the language of a clairsentient. So it's kind of heavy. It's not clear. And this you were exposed to when you went to Berkeley. Yeah, I I discovered that Mm -hmm. I'd been doing that a lot. So I learned some some techniques that give you freedom. It's called finding your space. So immediately you can make separations between yourself and everyone else around you. And when you start to feel some sadness, you know it's not you. It's the person that you're sitting with. That you're absorbing that? That's right. You start to recognize the difference between your your own energy and everyone else's energy. And you immediately get empowered. You get, oh, you get your space. How does that empower you by feeling my sadness? That doesn't. I would rather see your sadness, mm-hmm. notice it, and communicate about it rather than feel it in my body. Mm -hmm. So my body's going to feel it, but because I'm trained to be clairvoyant, I'm going to notice the sadness. Oh, wow, there's some sadness here. Oh, I wonder what's going on with you. I Mm -hmm. wonder what's going on with this room. What does it mean to be clairvoyant? What is the difference between being clairvoyant and being a psychic or being a medium? Are they all interchangeable. Basically, each of us has, uh, in our human body, has all of these uh, energy centers that are tuned into the subtle energies. Besides our five physical senses, we have all these subtle senses that are tuned into the energy around us. And in each part of our body, we have a different sensor that is tuned into certain things. And my book explains it, The Clairvoyant Practitioner. So the lower part of your body is tuned into survival, family, relationships, really your safety. And then the upper part of your body is going to be tuned in from your heart up, is going to be tuned into um, your source, you know, guidance, you know, the mystery and magic of the world. When you see a symbol, when you see a sign, when you hear something three times, (laughs) when you thought about somebody and then they called, you know, those are Mm -hmm. the upper awarenesses. Okay, so clear sentience is below your belly button. So that's you just feeling, trying to be safe, trying to move through the world. It's a bit like swimming through mud, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, but it's sympathetic and people are used to that. Clairvoyance, we're going to jump all the way up to your forehead. And that's like me introducing you, the captain, to the bridge of your ship. Okay. The forehead is really where we run 
our whole body. We run our We operate everything life. from there. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. like if you are always below your belly button in life and experiencing the world or even just at your stomach, which is a bit struggle and control and power, and that's what that's tuned into, you're just going to be like in the boiler room of the ship, just kind of getting hit by storms and wondering what's going on and looking to everyone That sounds awfully you. fraught. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so if any of you want to be a captain of the ship, you got to find the bridge. Mm-hmm. Right? You can see where the screen is, what's going on. And then you can see beyond the storm. You can see what's coming. You can even steer it differently. Okay. <laughs> so that's your forehead. Mm-hmm. And I even say like the top of your head's connected into the forehead. So the top of your head, your crown chakra. It, they're called chakras because it's an Indian word for wheel. Because each uh, energy center, if you think about this, I'm going to step us back a little bit. Our bodies are like a, a spacesuit that we are able to be here, time and space on the planet Earth, and look at each other and hug each other and see, because we're here to see people, <laughs> see other souls. We're plugged into a matrix of time and space. So two crisscross lines, time crossing over space. And each place that it crisscrosses in our body, the two lines hit each other and they spin and that's a chakra. That's an energy center. Or, and the other word for that is a plexi. So you probably heard solar plexus right. for the stomach. Right. Um, so the technical word is a plexi. And so each spinning part of us is tuned in to this matrix we're plugged into. So as you go higher in your body, um, and like at the throat and the forehead and the top of your head, you're tuned into everybody else's communication. You're tuned into a higher frequency of possibility, magic, manifesting, potential. The top of your head's all about potential. You know, what's the potential? And uh, so a clairvoyant would be where I'm intending to live in that forehead and up as much as possible. So if someone says, you know, they're crying or they, they look sad, I might say, I'm noticing that you're sad. Mm-hmm. Um, rather but than I could a- say that too. Absolutely. So as soon as you change your language, that's how easy it is, you start to be up there instead. Mm -hmm. If you um, just take note of your language, if you're saying, oh, I'm feeling some sadness in the room, well, that's where you are. You're down below your navel. Mm -hmm. If, If you're trying to give people advice and force things on people, that's where you are in your stomach. And whining. <laughs> so you just recognize how your language sounds and bring yourself up to the forehead, which is the place of noticing, observing, watching, being neutral. I liken it to someone had said it's just like jumping, you know, someone's in the ditch and you jump in the ditch with them so mm-hmm. they're not alone. Now both of you need someone to help you out of the Yeah, ditch. right. So you might as well be the one at the top of the ditch looking down and going, I'm noticing you're in the ditch and I'm going to stay right here. I'm wa- which, which, witnessing, I'm observing. I have compassion. I see and I understand. But I'm now, not going to help you get out of the well, ditch? No. It's going to be like, let me see how I can serve you to, to move you up and out of this. For me to get out of the ditch yeah. on my own with your support. That's right. With compassion. With so com- sympathy mm-hmm. would be like, oh, poor you. Oh, no. And, you know, like validating the victim versus, hey, I'm noticing that you're stuck. Uh-huh. And I'm so sad for you. I see it and I understand it, Uh right? People just want an understanding. And then you can be in a place where you can see something for them. So that's what a reading is. See something for them where they could turn differently because you get hyper-focused on one part of your path. So you want to be able to go, hey, look what's over here. 
here's here's a choice. Here's where I see that you originally wanted to be, and I'm just going to steer you back over there. Mm-hmm. And this person, a lot of times we have connections or cords with other people, obligations, and just helping them unplug that obligation just for a minute so they can see, oh my gosh, that wasn't even my problem. It was his problem, right? And all of a sudden they can feel light, they can feel clear, and then hopeful for the future and the next step. So it's and a therapy, stronger. isn't it? It is. Yeah. I mean, I consider it, you know, like instead of eight, ten weeks of therapy, it's like a reading just gets right to the point and gives you a healing. Now move over to psychic and to medium. Are they all interchangeable words? Yeah. Um, remember the language that I talked about? Being a medium is really being able to tune into the spirits around somebody right. or in the room, mm-hmm. whether they're spirit guides, angels, deceased loved ones. You know, So being a medium is tuning into people that no longer have a body, whether they used to be living or they were just angels. And so that's all part of clairvoyance because if you're in your forehead, remember Above your heart, your heart and above, you're tuned into the etheric realm. Mm -hmm. Who wouldn't want to just be up there for a while? Uh (laughs) You know, your body loves to just run itself. It doesn't want to have to take on other people's stuff and then carry it around. (laughs) Yeah, that is exhausting. So that's why we learn to ground and release other people's stuff Mm -hmm. so that you're free to be compassionate. Mm -hmm. Just be in a place in your heart where, oh, I see I understand. I don't have to take it on. You know, now I can help you better. You know, I, you know, so you put your own mask on first before you help everybody else. You're, you're healing yourself first. So if I'm reading someone, they're sitting in front of me, just like you are physical body in front of me, and I choose to tune into someone around you, I might look at, at a deceased person that might still be attached to you. And my as a medium, I'm just going to see if there's a message that's going to help you. You have a choice? Yeah. Well, you know, I teach clairvoyance. I teach this, you know, how to tune in from your heart up into the etheric realm. Because as adults, we're never trained or even have permission to tune into these etheric realms. It comes to you in different ways. I can have someone sit in front of me, and I can immediately get an idea of a grandmother, and then I can tune in to see who that is. And that's, uh, that's them trying to communicate. I even have someone, if they make an appointment with me over the phone, I've never seen them, and I think, oh, they're an older person. And they come in and they're 22 years old. I'm like, oh, it's their grandmother that was, you know, coming that through. That you were sensing or Yeah, whatever. that's what I was uh-huh. noticing, yeah. As a clairvoyant, my first intention is to heal the person that's here. Um, when someone's really yearning to speak to a deceased person, my intention is to give that communication, which is mediumship, what that deceased person wants to say, but mainly to tie up loose ends and help heal and bring completion to the person that's still here. Because we don't want them, you know, suffering or needing to see me every week. You know, what does my mother say now? What You know, you want to feel like you could communicate on your own mm-hmm. and start to feel some completion and and some understanding of the metaphysics of it, you know, what's happening. So I gather it's safe to say that this is larger than you in the sense that it's not it's not kind of calculated. You come, you sit down, you may feel something, you may not feel something. So it really kind of begs the question, and I really wasn't going to go here, but mm-hmm. what the hell? So what sense are you getting from me? <laughs> or is that not fair? Um, no, I, you know, on the way here to, mm-hmm. to visit you here at the studio, mm-hmm. um, I was just noticing what a high vibration person you are, that you've, you've been here many lifetimes. And even this lifetime, you're a little bit not bored, but just like, okay, I did this. Mm-hmm. And you're really seeking, you know, some excitement 
especially when it comes to you know the spiritual realm. You like to look at the edge of things, like okay, where's the ed- what's the new edge over here? You're looking for where's the cutting edge, I guess. Mm-hmm. You know, like what mm-hmm. what's coming next, and you want to be the one to help bring it in, which advances humanity, right? You have uh, a few guides around you, spirit guides, and uh, you know your your mother is one of them who wants to stay present with you. What's your mom's name? Naomi. Naomi. You know, and you also have the the desert around you so much. Like I see the cactus, I see Sedona, I see. Have you traveled to the desert much? Passing through. You yeah, know. Mm-hmm. yeah. Um, there's just a a quality about you that you join in with others mm-hmm. uh, in a way that's about prayer, about unity of leadership. I see you in the desert with leaders, all you know, in a circle, all making decisions about where the world is headed. And, and why the desert? You, you do that on the astral, like in your sleep, and mm-hmm. you do that just in your visions. The desert, I'm not sure. I'm just seeing images of the desert. I'm huh. from out west. I'm uh-huh. from California, and I wouldn't be surprised if I saw you out there. <laughs> you know, like looks like you are a western person. You mm, have that same quality. Um, I think of myself as being very much, you know, a New Yorker. Yeah, isn't and that, that interesting? kind of, you know, rushed and, you know, um, intense. I would probably get pretty bored after a while being in the desert. Yeah, there's there's some kind of cutting edge change or shift that's going on that, t- that you access through the desert. Interesting. It's not in New Jersey. It's not <laughs> no, there's no desert in New, in New Jersey. God knows that. Uh-huh. It's, it's like, a, you know, the pyramids used to be um, a vortex focus for spirit and source and soul. And mm-hmm. I, I do those tours at the Met Museum for ancient Egyptians, the ancient Egyptian energy, and I bring groups through there. And now the new... Uh, vortex for spirit and bringing through information is out west. It's just there's more information out there. Hmm. Like if you if you wanted to, you could do an exploration of vortexes, energy vortexes. And I just see that you would get something new, something that would expand you. How does being a clairvoyant impact your everyday life? What I do when I first train people to be clairvoyant, they just want to talk to everybody they see on the train, the grocery store, you know. Um, but what I've learned to do is just be able to turn it up or turn it down so that I can just be at peace on a train or in the grocery store, see other people. I might see something around someone, um, but I don't feel responsible to communicate it. It's not even appropriate. They may not even be you know, open to hearing anything. Well, they might think you're nuts. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if you're going up to a complete stranger. Yes. And so when I look at energy, it's really someone's nervous system. Think about a light bulb and a filament, and it's the filament can handle 80 watts or can it handle 10,000 watts? And information or truth, communication, spiritual communication is like light, which is just truth and unconditional love. That's what light is. And when you communicate spirit to spirit with somebody, and if it's very intense, the person needs their nervous system, think of their spinal cord, to be like a filament to receive that much voltage. (laughs) And that could be so overwhelming. Yeah. And that's why like someone like David Blaine might do a magic trick and someone runs away because it's too much to handle. Mm -hmm. Um, Or someone might get communication from a psychic and it's too much to handle. And you you don't want to short, you know, blow a fuse for somebody. So I'm always looking to see who can have that information or not. How often do people come to see you because they want to know what's going to happen in the future? 
many people do. They Well, they want to know usually what's going on with their relationship, what's going on, you know, if this is the right person or is this the right job. Sometimes people will want to know, like, what's going to happen to me in six months? And I always explain what the future is. The future is a series of trajectories of potential. You know, the quantum field you've probably heard is what we live in. Mm -hmm. Remember, this matrix we're plugged into um, might feel like we're confined to just absolute fate and what's happening in front of us. But we can always change and shift and completely go another direction. So... Ultimately, our life is really looking down multiple trajectories of choices of infinite potential. So if someone says, you know, what, you know, what's going to happen with, with this relationship with me? Mm-hmm. Is this person going to marry me? I'm really looking at what's their energy together now. Perhaps they have some past lives or karma together and how much they are a match and I just give that insight because I'm not going to say break up with them. I was just going to ask. I, you're not going no, there. No, that's a gypsy thing, you know, because what happens is, like I said. Or is I that said, a psychic thing? Well, being psychic is, is the ability to communicate spirit to spirit. And a, a gypsy is a psychic. A clairvoyant is a psychic. Um, a medium is a psychic. It really is just that kind of communication. That's what a psychic is. So. You know, it, it strikes me mm-hmm. that there's obviously a difference between you and I. Does that make you special, unique? Are you different? I might have a sense of somebody, and I can certainly look at somebody in a relationship, in a relationship and think, oh, God, this is not going to work, or that this person is being delusional. But mm-hmm. that's just gut. We are all psychic, okay? But what you're tuning into, and you say the gut, yeah, yeah. that's that lower yeah, right. chakras, those right. energy centers that are all about kind of feeling the energy. There's mm-hmm. no vision in it, but if there's truth in it. And like I said, the future is a, a, a series of trajectories. So you can be stuck on one track, you know, where you're headed towards something. I always say, you know, if you're smoking four packs of cigarettes a day, you are heading towards something, you know, some well, kind sure. of illness. Of okay? course. But if you're having certain thoughts and certain patterns and certain unconscious things, you know, like you ignore something, you're headed towards something. So it's really about awakening, being conscious, being awake. Um, that's going to change your future, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. And let's say that you say, I, I just want to get married to, to somebody, or and it would be nice if it was this man. Okay, well, what in you needs to shift or change to have your path go that direction? Mm-hmm. What in you is blocking? What you know? So that's really, in, in like even when I talk about saying that you have the desert around you, Yeah. what we're used to doing is being skeptical because our school systems do that. And I was a teacher in school. Our school systems need lots of evidence and, you know, you're on a track. Like, I don't see myself that way. Right. So right. when you start to become more clairvoyant, just for yourself, just meditating and tuning into your higher self. Well, that self, means being more open, doesn't it? It does because your response would be different. Your response would be like, that's interesting. I mm-hmm. hadn't seen that or mm-hmm. hadn't. And then you consider it. You contemplate why that, why I would even see that around you. And then what happens is certain things will come up. It'll be on the TV. All of a sudden, someone will mention a trip to the desert. Like, you know what I mean? Like you're letting something in. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's uh, the world opens up. It's more magical. Because, you know, that you said you'd be bored in the desert. Right. But I think you're bored now. 
not not doing this. This uh-huh. is exciting for you. But in general, it's like, ah, okay, mm-hmm. life is life is life. Mm-hmm. I live in Long Island, and there's a saying everyone says, it is what it is. Well, that's <laughs> like, I, yeah, that extends beyond Long Island. <laughs> yeah, so. They just might say it with a New a, York accent. I'm it from California, uh-huh. and it's an East Coast thing, you know. But it's interesting, again, to go back to your schooling, that yes. you were taught this yes. as opposed to it being innate. Yes. Um, well, it can be innate. Like, you're already a psychic person. I told you, you're a very evolved person, you know, and that's why, uh, you know, you see beyond things pretty quickly. You, you know, you can't be fooled. But you I know, can be wrong. <laughs> yes, you can be wrong because people always get to make a different choice. Mm-hmm. You can be right about their path they're on, mm-hmm. but who knows? They'll wake up one morning and <gasps> get a, a bright idea and shift themselves and mm-hmm. something else goes. That's the beauty of our of our life. It's the quantum field of potential. Mm-hmm. That's what's exciting. That's why people are making vision boards and having miracles happen and visualizing their life and manifesting, like learning to tune in from your heart up. So it becomes very personal. Yeah. And for the most part, I assume you always are connecting with people who come and see you. Oh, yeah. It never happens that there is some kind of a roadblock or that goes up? You know, sometimes I'll do these um, events, you know, like charity events and things like that, where I have to read like 15 people, one after another, Mm -hmm. sitting in front of me. And occasionally, especially if all they want to do is hear from a deceased relative, you know, they sit down, I just want to hear from someone dead, you Mm -hmm. know, and they have a specific one in mind. So it's like a test, you know, in that 10 minutes I have with them. Yeah, that sounds nuts. <laughs> it's nuts. And I remember my particular type of readings I do is to tune into the person sitting in front of me. They're most important. You're here now. Mm-hmm. And if the deceased person wants to communicate to help this person, I will, you know, make that connection. But that may not happen. Yeah. They and then you can't make be... it, that it would become contrived as if forcing an issue. Is that uh, right? Yeah. I mean, I can always, if they ask, can you tune into my mom? She just passed away. Mm-hmm. No problem. I'll tune in. And what will happen? That your mom is what? I'm I'll watching you know. or is Yeah. Happy like, for with... example, your mom, um, though she's so present with you, it's almost like she's still here. Do mm-hmm. you have a lot of her things? Or are you in her house? Or are you where? Yeah, she's still alive. Yeah, that's why. Is she? uh, Does she live near you? Not far. Okay, so you know, tuning into someone's uh, relatives, it doesn't mean they have to be deceased. It can be like they're right with Mm -hmm. you, Mm -hmm. and you're carrying her on your back. Is what you're doing. Mm -hmm. So it looks like she's, you know, part of being in New Jersey is having mom (laughs) right here. It Mm -hmm. looks like it's a big influence here. And uh, I'm talking about her frequency. She's in a yellow color. That's the color she's in. And uh, our spirit understands color, and our body feels the color. And uh, What does yellow signify? It doesn't have a, um, a, a meaning? meaning outside of itself. Like, uh-huh. you can't just memorize a book of colors mm-hmm. and know what it means. But for your mom, I'm just seeing the difference between you because there's you have a different color than her. Mm-hmm. You'll run, like, oranges and reds and greens. You know, like, you are you just run a lot of, uh, like, passion Mm -hmm. and your mom is like steady and she just kind of her color is a little washed out you know there's a love a very love bond there it's just a you know an obligation too and Mm -hmm. uh so as i'm saying this to you i'm watching you just kind of we're going to set a chair outside our session here (laughs) and she's going to sit in a chair and not on your back Mm -hmm. oh i see (laughs) because if Mm -hmm. i mention going west or doing something different you know know, mom Mm -hmm. you know she's right here she has an influence on your path at the moment. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, yeah. I wanted to also ask you about 
your book, Calling in Your Baby, mm-hmm. A Clairvoyant's Guide to Manifesting Pregnancy. I don't know what that means. <laughs> I know. Um, I have had students for the last 10 years in my office learning how to be clairvoyant. And I started to have just, you know, we call it matching pictures, people that had the same intentions. They were in their late 30s, early 40s, and just really wanting to have a baby. But they happened to be taking the clairvoyant classes about manifesting and making your dreams come true, which are what my classes are about. And uh, they started to get pregnant as they were six weeks into the training and doing the tools, running energy, finding amusement, getting in the center of your head, you know, just shifting yourself all of a sudden. And I teach you how to speak to spirit. So that's the mediumship. They spoke to the spirit of the baby that they want to bring in. Mm -hmm. And so we were practicing this just, you know, in the classes. And all of a sudden they were getting pregnant. They would announce. And the other people in class who are tuning into their clairvoyance would be like, I see the baby right near you. And they'd get all excited. And then two weeks later they'd report, I'm pregnant. So I was able to start to realize that these tools really help you get pregnant. And I use them myself. I had my son, who's 16 now, when I was 36. Mm -hmm. And women have this issue in our culture that as soon as you're over 32 or something, the doctors are worried for you. When you learn how to be more clairvoyant, remember, open-minded, tuning up in from the heart up, you know, compassionate, and tuning into the spirit of the baby, it, Mm -hmm. it brings you a lot of hope. It brings you confidence. So you can go to a doctor and they can say, nope, it's not going to happen for you. And you can go, no, but I know that spirit's right there. I know it's not going to happen is you're not going to get pregnant. You mean. Yeah, uh-huh. or, or you're too old. Too old. Uh-huh. You should consider, you know, that your eggs are old. And so you learn how to um, visualize your eggs as not wrinkly and old, but, you know, uh-huh. vital. Um, because uh, spirit heals the body. The body is a manifestation of your spirit. There are some women that have medical issues where maybe they've had their uterus removed, so that would right. totally be different. But, right, right, but right. you would still be able to tune into the spirit of the baby to have it come into your life. And it even helps if you're doing IVF. You know, the, those things can be very impersonal and clinical. Things are done in test tubes, but there's spirit involved. So Manifesting a baby is a spiritual experience. The mm-hmm. baby coming through you can't be more spiritual than that. Right. Birth, uh-huh. conception and birth. So even having the um, husband and wife or the partners um, in their intimacy, connecting to that spirit of the baby and imagining it coming in, you know, in the intimacy time, you know, going from those stages and finding your confidence. Do you find that people come to you again because they want you to predict their future? Does that sort of diminish what you do? Yeah, well, I have to do some education. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, see, that's you being psychic because, yes, uh, they would want to just get a gypsy fortune telling. and Or tarot cards yeah. or whatever. Yeah, and uh-huh. I teach tarot cards because um, the tarot is really the hero's journey. And you're still reading somebody. So I only teach it to advanced clairvoyants who already know they can read with nothing. Mm-hmm. Just read from their reading screen, and then the the cards we can use for fun pictures and uh, stimulating symbolism. But yeah, when somebody comes to a psychic or a clairvoyant, a professional clairvoyant, and says, you know, I want you to tell me what's going to happen the next six months. Yeah. Really what you're doing is you're treating us like a magic eight ball, you know, like, will this job work out? Shake the ball. Most likely. Uh, Shake the ball again. So they'll visit several psychics. I didn't like what that psychic said. said. I'm going to go to the next psychic. And I I used to do a lot of psychic fairs where people would come to to me and then right next to me was another psychic and and they'd ring a bell 
and and then they'd go to the psychic next to me, and I'd hear them ask the same question that so I it just answered. An assembly line. <laughs> yes, but they, but what it is, it's there's a naivety. I know you brought up that word. Everybody is evolving, and they really want to be empowered, and they really want new kinds of communication. Because once you've become empowered, you don't want to just ask somebody, is this going to work out for me? And that person's like, yes. You know, <laughs> like you could do a pendulum or a magic eight ball. You, what you want to do is you want to ask clairvoyant questions, which are, you know, what in me is shifting that's going to allow this to happen? Or what, what can I move in me that could allow this to happen? Because I'm you want stuck. the answer is to be yes. It, you know? It's that yeah. I'm stuck and yeah. I can't. That's right. And I need a tool? Yes. And I usually, in every reading, you leave with a grounding tool, a protection tool. Um, How long are readings? An hour. Usually. An hour. It, it, uh -huh. they're, they're set up for an hour, but they can go an hour and a half. Longer. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. Yeah, it depends on the person. So we basically run out of time. What do uh. you want to leave us with? I would have to say that uh, we're all psychic. You know, we're all clairvoyant. We all have the ability to see, mm -hmm. uh, and it's an e as easy as changing your language to noticing, observing, and seeing your world rather than feeling everything. Your body's going to feel something, but mm -hmm. bring it up to your forehead and take a look. And don't see judge. what's going on. Or be open. Yeah. And actually, when you receive communication that feels like a spirit-to-spirit -spirit, um, hello, a spirit-to-spirit -spirit communication, we're not looking for answers in the spirit world. We're looking for communication. We're looking for something to contemplate. You know, just the idea of something. I had a student just write me who's been with me for a couple of years, and she got this fantastic book on uh, sacred ascended masters and she with prayers. And she said, I just love this book. But she said, why me? Why am I chosen to see? You know, it's, I just told her it's a waste of time to say, why me? As soon as you are seeing and you're excited about this it. topic, don't question it. Just mm -hmm. go for it and mm -hmm. consider everything a message. And the world is is communicating to you all the time, and, and be open to yeah, it. Yeah, and the minute you feel any kind of boredom, or you even have that in your in your language, that's where you're you're oh, I must be stuck. Where in my body am I stuck? And let me find a smile. Let me tune into some messages today. Something magical. But it's funny that you use the word boredom as opposed to maybe something more emotional, anger, or fear, or lack of hope. That would be moving more than boredom. Boredom is like stagnation. Yeah. And so, you know, when I had a student in classrooms tell me that they were bored, I'm like, oh, that's your problem. You know, uh -huh. get uh -huh. curious. First thing I said, go be curious about something. Mm -hmm. Now you won't be bored anymore. Being curious is in your forehead, the top of your head. There's no curiosity down below your navel <laughs> or in your stomach. So if you want to get out of those, the feeling serious and stuck, just be curious. Just wonder. That's how you connect to spirit, and that's how things can change instantly. Well, you, you want to access the field. That's perfect. And hey. not for nothing, I was certainly curious. That's why you're here. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Tori Quisling, thank you so much for sharing your passions and your life with us. It was really fascinating. Thank you. Thank you for having me. It's a privilege. Join us for another edition of Conversations with Creative Women. I'm Sandy Klein. Everybody.